if you are having shared experiences, common interests, um, you know, understanding, you a lot of people have mutual understanding, right? Flexibility, compromise, all of those things. You can only connect and share common interests and have common shared experiences if you know what they are, right? If I don't know what another person's experiences are, then how am I going to have a sense of shared experience with them? Hey, hey, this is Dr. Kavita Sun. Welcome to the Emotional Mastery Podcast. This podcast is about emotions, psychology, and relationships. Every week, I'll be sharing real-life tools to help you build self-awareness, a better relationship with yourself, and more fulfilling relationships with the people that matter to you. Listen, this is the foundation on which the rest of your life is built. So let's take the time to get it right. I'll see you on the inside. Good to see you guys. Hey, listen. So today's topic is a fun topic, right? Today's topic is a really fun topic because, um, well, all all topics and relationships are, to me, they're super fun. <laughs> I am obsessed with this topic. I'm constantly thinking about it. So for me, all of it is is fun. But this particular topic is something that people ask me about all the time. So the heading for today is three easy steps to become best friends with your spouse, even if you're the busiest family on the block. The reason I added that even if you're the busiest family is because that's what people tell me as the obstacle. You know, we're so busy, we're a two-physician household, or, you know, um, we work opposite shifts, and we have three kids and two of them are being homeschooled and we don't have any help and the nanny can't come because of COVID and it's just chaos and there's no time to connect. Absolutely no time to connect. And I get that because I also for many, many years thought that you would need uh, a substantial amount of time to be able to connect with somebody, right? You need to be able to sit down. It needs to be quiet. You need to have like, you know, time to do that sit with a cup of coffee and so for me I just started putting things off right I'd be like well you know when x y and z settles down how many times have you guys heard this or said this in your own heads when x y and z settles down then we'll have time for this give me a one in the chat below if you've heard somebody say that or you've said that in your own life. I've said it so many times as a way of postponing or procrastinating or setting aside usually very important things. Okay, we often set aside important things for the sake of urgent things. And urgent things usually, not always, but usually many of them are not that important. Unless someone is, you know, dying and need CPR, or one of your children is hurt, then what you're doing right now is the important thing that you're doing instead of doing just the urgent things, okay? So what we're going to learn is things that you can do in the midst of chaos. How many times have people in HYR heard me say this? If you've done HYR and you've heard me say this, you know, give me give me a thumbs up or or say yes right i am known to say that connection can only happen life itself can only be created in the midst of chaos if you're waiting for chaos to settle down you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life why because the very nature of the universe is constant change this very human body that you're inhabiting is a vessel of constant change. Everyone and everything around you is constantly changing, right? In Hindu mythology, um, we, have, we have a story that the universe is created by three forces, right? The force of creation, of transformation, and destruction. Creation and transformation also is change, right? So the entire universe is change, we're not going to escape that. So if we're waiting for change to settle down in order to do something, we are fighting against the very nature of reality. 
And I'll tell you what, I've experimented with this thousands of times in my life. And I can assure you that every single time I've tried to fight reality, I've always lost. <laughs> okay. I try really hard, but it's never worked for me so far. <laughs> okay. Fighting with reality does not help. In fact, resilience comes from accepting reality and becoming flexible around it. Okay. So you are a physician. You probably are living in a very, very busy household. You probably have a million things on your plate. You probably go to bed and wake up exhausted and still running to-do lists in your head. You probably are responsible for other lives, your patients, um, your kids if you have any, your pets if you have any, right? And so it's very tempting to say, let COVID settle down, let homeschooling be over, let, uh, let the new jobs, you know, take hold. Let's buy that house and settle down and when we have more space. I've said all of these things. So the reason I added, even if you're the busiest family on the block, is because connection cannot wait for your chaos or, or your life to settle down because it's never going to settle down. That's not the nature of life. Okay? So how then are we supposed to connect if being busy and chaotic is part and parcel of life? Well, that's what we're going to learn today. We're going to learn how to give charges, okay? Think about your cell phone, right? When it's reducing in charge, right, you don't necessarily need to plug it in for half an hour. You just need to plug it in for like five minutes. And it gives you enough life to be able to get through a couple more hours, a few more hours. Then you can charge it again. So these mini charges are everything that you need to be able to get through day-to-day -day life. Now, is it important to have weekly marriage meetings, which is something we, we teach in HYR? Absolutely. Is it important to... Um, you know, know how to read cues and what is, uh, what is the underlying subtext when someone says something to you? Absolutely, right? These are all things that are essential. But day-to-day, -day, you need to know how to charge your relationship. We can't, we should not put away important things just for the sake of urgent things. Change and chaos is the very nature of this world and this body and this life that we live in. So if we're waiting for things to settle down before we focus on the important things, we will get to our deathbed with regret. So what do we do instead? We're going to focus on mini charges that get us through day-to-day -day life. I am going to walk you through what, how I think about restoring friendship. And I want to add a caveat here. Yes, we're talking about your uh, romantic relationships, but any important relationship between two adults relies on a foundation of friendship, okay? I'm talking about even your adult children, your parents, your siblings, your colleagues, your close friends. The foundation of any working uh, functional relationship is friendship. Without that base to stand on, no close relationship works. So even though I am talking in the context of, of um, your romantic relationships, know that you can use this same framework for any relationship that you want to start healing, you've got to start here. Okay. All right. So this is how I think about friendship. I think about it as a, a three things that you need to be able to um, create friendship. Now, let me ask you guys, all of us have friends, right? All of us have had friends, have friends, will have friends in the future, new ones, old ones coming in and out. Yes, Luca, every Tuesday at 8 p.m., we have a, a Transformation Tuesday live training just for this group. 
by the way, if you guys um, have physician women friends who would be interested in learning this kind of emotional mastery and relational uh, mastery work, invite them into the group, okay? All right, so I wanna ask you guys something. What is some common things that you need to have or feel between two human beings for there to be friendship? Let's have some guesses. All of us have had friends, right? We know what it is to be a friend and to have a friend. Tell me, what are some things that are essential between two human beings? Respect, which is another way of saying I, uh, I like you. Connection, right. Trust, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Laughter, love it. Mutual admiration, love that. Beautiful, beautiful. Super duper. Okay, fun. So guess what, you guys? You already gave me the three sides of my triangle, and I'm going to show you what I mean by that, okay? So uh, respect, connection, mutual admiration. Um, what else did you guys talk about? Fun, right? All of that can be summarized as I like you. Make sense? That sentiment has to be there between two people for there to be friendship. Would you agree? Play, commonality, yes, absolutely. Would you agree that that all fits into, I like you. That's the sentiment that all of these things uh, that you guys mentioned falls under, right? I like you has to be a sentiment. Now, someone else said, I think it was Laura and a couple of other people, trust, right? So you got to have, I trust you, right? You got to have, I trust you. And finally, many of you mentioned uh, connection, shared experiences, uh, sense of, um, what else did I hear? Uh, common interests, right? Would you agree that all of that if you are having shared experiences, common interests, um, you know, understanding, you've a lot of people have mutual understanding, right? Flexibility, compromise, all of those things. You can only connect and share common interests and have common um, uh, shared experiences if you know what they are, right? If I don't know what another person's experiences are, then how am I going to have a sense of shared experience with them, right? So connection and shared experiences and shared uh, common interests, all of those things means that you need to have the sentiment of, I know you. You have to have, right? You have to have, I trust you, I like you, and I know you, okay? Tell me that makes sense in the comments or give me a heart or a like or a thumbs up. I need to make sure that you guys are following along. By the way, if you're watching this via replay, comment hashtag replay below. The more we comment and like, the more Facebook will show it to other people in our group, which means more people would benefit from these kind of trainings. So help us out. Perfect. Now we know that we have to have, right? We have to have trust, like, a feeling that I like them and the feeling that I know them. Cool. All right, so how do we create each of these? Now, there are so many ways and in HYR and in the Advanced Mastery um, Program, after HYR, we go really, really deep into these things, but here I'm gonna give you little tips that you can do today, right? Just this, right? Just this framework alone, I could teach you for four to six weeks, okay? There's so much here that we could do to restore any relationship by beginning with a solid foundation of friendship. But I'm gonna give you little, little tips here because I want you to not just be taking notes and listening to things, right? Information is not transformation. So I want you to actually do things. So we're going to touch on a couple of things that I want you to try out. Okay? All right. 
So let's go to a new one. Okay. So our first thing is I know you. Okay. In this, think about, I want you to think about when you first met this person, pick, pick a relationship in your head to work through this triangle with today with me. Okay, pick a relationship in your head and give me a thumbs up or a yes when you have that relationship in your head. It's really important that you pick one relationship so you can actually get some shifts, tangible shifts. Once you have a relationship, give me a thumbs up or a yes. And then think back to a time that that relationship felt really good, felt close, felt easygoing, felt um, connected, right? Many of us for our romantic relationships, it's in the beginning. It's in the first few years, sometimes during the dating phase and, you know, honeymoon and the first couple of years. Whatever relationship you're thinking about, whatever time period that was that you can remember having a sense of ease and flow and connection, right? Do you remember being really interested in the other person? Just curious, wanting to talk to them all the time, texting them all the time, um, just so fascinated by the way they think and see the world, right? It's like opening up a new present. You don't quite know what's inside. And so everything just looks so tantalizing. Do you remember that? Right? You know why you had that sensation? It's not because that person was some other person and just pretended to be interesting, you know, just to lock you down in marriage. Nor were you pretending it was because you both didn't know, or at least you knew that you didn't know everything about the other person. And so you were um, excited to get to know the other person. The problem now is you think you know the other person. You think you know everything there is to know about this other person. Now I'm gonna ask you a question, okay? If really, if really the, 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 the truth is that human beings, by the time they're in their mid-30s or early 40s, are, they have uh, grown as much as they possibly can. If we are static after the age of 40, wouldn't it be impossible for us to live with our own heads? I mean, literally, we'd be having the same, same thoughts and doing the same, same actions. How come we're not bored? of ourselves, <laughs> right? We think we are endlessly fascinating. We love thinking and introspecting and sharing our experiences and dreaming. Why? It's because you know that you are a complicated, ever-evolving human being because you can sense it and feel it because you live inside of your world. You are in close contact with the developing and evolving parts of you, with the complicated hues within you. Whereas with your partner, because you have lost touch with their inner world and, and being curious for the sake of curiosity, right? And because you've created some rigid stories in your head about who the other person is, you do not try to genuinely get to know them anymore. If at all you ask a question, it ends up being a leading question, right? Like, why wouldn't you do that for me? Or why would you do that to me? Or a complaint. Did you forget to pick up the milk again? Or about chores, bills, or kids. Now, is this how you talk to your friends right now? Are you constantly asking them leading questions, uh, giving overt or subtle complaints and talking about chores and bills and kids all the time? Of course not. We get really tired of our friends really easy if this is all we were doing with them, <laughs> okay? They would get tired of us too, right? So the problem here 
is that we think we know them, which stops us from actually knowing them. What? So the problem is we think we know. Okay. What is the solution? Many, 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 many ways to, to get past this. But I'm going to give you one right now. And I want you to do it tonight. Okay. Ask your partner an open ended question. Okay. We think we know, so we talk about chores and kids and complaints and leading questions, right? All of this is causing a problem disconnection, a sense of loneliness. What I want you to do instead is to think back to when things were good in that relationship. And you'll notice when you think back that you were genuinely curious to see what their opinions were about things just for the heck of it. Just because you just thought it was fascinating to watch their mind work. Even if you disagreed of their opinion. So we wanna ask open-ended questions what is an open-ended question, okay? An open-ended question is one that cannot be answered by a yes or no, okay? That is an open-ended question. So an open-ended question is something that you can, the other person cannot say yes or no to, all right? Now, um, sometimes people will say to me, uh, and I think Shaila said this, is I ask open-ended questions but the other person doesn't want to answer. Now, the, the two reasons that might be, right, is one, one reason that open-ended questions don't work is because there is no trust, okay? The other person doesn't trust that that information is not trying to be led somewhere into some sort of emotional complaint slash trap. Somehow they trust the genuine openness of that open-ended question, okay? The second reason that you might be getting rebuffed, actually, I'm gonna say there are three reasons. I can think of many more, but these are the three important ones, okay? Either there's no trust or you're asking about topics that they're not interested in, okay, that they find boring, okay. Or the timing is off. For example, what I mean by timing is we all have a biorhythm, right? Some of us are better in the morning. Some of us are better in, you know, mid-morning. Some of us are better after lunch. Some of us are really, really uh, best in the evening time or late night. You don't want to be asking, so what is your dream for the next five years? At a time when they're like, oh, I'm exhausted. I just finished a long day of work and the kids finally went to sleep. I just want to, you know, space out in front of the TV. Understand that you have your own biorhythms and your partner has their own biorhythms. Okay. So it might be this, in which case we need to build trust. It may be this, in which case you want to think about what are they interested in, right? And ask them simple questions that they can answer in just a couple of sentences. And then consider biorhythms. Okay. So hope that helped, Shaila. Give me a thumbs up if that's making sense for you. All right, so that is the first part of this equation is I know you. And the one thing that we're gonna do is ask open-ended questions. So here's your um, task. I want you to put down in the comment, what is one open-ended question that you could ask your spouse either later today or tomorrow, remember, be careful about the biorhythms, right? Um, that would be something that they're interested in that would allow them to answer in a couple of sentences, um, but would not be a yes or no question. I want you to put that down below.
there you go. Christina says, my fiance can only talk to me in bed in the morning. That's right. Everyone has biorhythms. Shaila, there you go. The trust is missing, right? We're going to talk about how to, to shift that. But right now, I want you to go, I want you guys to think about one thing open-ended that you can ask your spouse today or whichever relationship you're thinking about, either later today or tomorrow or sometime, you know, in the next couple of days. But it's got to fit the three criteria, right? So don't badger them. If there's a lack of trust, you've got to start really small. Okay. So it's got to fit the criteria of small uh, topic of interest for the other person and notice biorhythms, okay? As long as it fits these three and it's not a yes or no question, that's great. Yes, Amy, then yes, trust is what needs work. I love it, Laura. Where would be a fun place for us to take a family vacation after COVID? If you were offered your old job back, would you take it? Joyce, that's perfect, except I want to make sure that that's not a leading question, right? If you have a strong opinion of whether he should take the job back or not, I would stay away from that because your um, preference may cause you to ask follow-up questions that push him towards one way or the other. Ah, Shaila, perfect. The trust issue is with a girlfriend which I really want to restore connection with. Awesome. We'll talk about that in a minute. So Joyce, if it is not, awesome. What book would you like to be reading? Candice, love it. So if it is not, uh, if you don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, absolutely ask him that. If you do, I would stay away from that because remember, we don't want to be asking leading questions or passive aggressive complaints right? Like, do you think it's okay to do that? <laughs> and we don't want to be talking about chores, kids, and bills. Yeah. So if it's none of these, and it actually fits one of these, that's the question to ask. Love it. Any other questions that people can think of? What type of wedding do you envision for us? Christina, that's a great question. Again, make sure that if in case you and your fiance are, have had some touchy conversations about the kind of wedding or about when to have the wedding or if to have a wedding, then I would shy away from that because it's not genuinely open-ended. But if it is that you both are excited for the wedding and you're just in the planning phase, absolutely. Ask and just listen and allow him, even if he says, I want to have you know, a rock band and you're like, uh-uh, no, right? Allow him to dream and just keep asking questions about it. Ah, Krishna, look at that. Okay, so here's the thing. What I would start with then is actually saying that to him, saying, hey, I realize that you've tried to tell me about the, um, about Hadid architecture and I know that that's such a passion of yours and I regret not listening to it. So if you are ever up for that, I would love to hear more about it, okay? Okay, now I'll give you a hint here before I move on, okay? Why questions are usually not gonna work? Because why usually means, why would you do that? Why didn't you do that? Why do you think that's okay? Why don't you think this is okay, <laughs> okay? So why questions usually don't work. So I'll leave you there. Yeah, one way to connect is a common interest. It's not that you have to be interested in the same things that they're interested in. It's that you have to be interested in the things that they're interested in. That is the difference. Okay, Krishna, you don't have to also like Hadid architecture. You have to be interested in knowing what he likes about it. Okay, so I could talk about this for hours, but I'm gonna move on to the second part of the triangle. You guys ready? Second part of the triangle is I like you, right? 
That's right. Aditi says we have great conversations, especially because of different interests. That's right. It's actually not about um, commonality or having same interests. It's, uh, it's about being interested in their interests. When you first met them, they still had different interests and different brain and different thoughts, right? But you were interested. That's what builds a connection. It's not that, you know, uh, for friendship to thrive, you have to like the exact same things. No. Yes. So true. Christina says, important not to show contempt or condescend. If we are um, condescending or showing contempt, it only means that we have not understood or gotten to know the other person on a deeper level. You, you know, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, I don't like that man. I need to get to know him better. When you judge someone, it literally is because you have not touched their humanity. Oh, thank you, Saffron. Love it. Okay, so let's move to the second part of the triangle, which is I like you, right? I like you. For you to like someone, you first have to know them, which is why we started with the I know you. I like you is about showing the other person has to feel that you genuinely like them. How might you show that you like somebody? Yes, Christina, 100%, 100%. How might you show that you like somebody? Give me some examples of how you might show someone that you like them. So true, Yamini. In HYR, we talk about sharing impact, okay? So we do need to share impact because otherwise, if your mind is wandering and you're just forcing yourself to sit there, it doesn't help the relationship. They can sense that you're not in it. You're annoyed and resentful, okay? <laughs> I love it. So telling them that they look hot, appreciating them, anticipating their needs and wants. Hi, Irina. How are you, my friend? Good to see you here, right? Uh, complimenting them, asking how they're doing, asking questions about their welfare, just acknowledging them, right? Hi, Kimmy. Cooking, sharing in their uh, stressors and also in their joys, right? Touch, love it. Christina says, touching his hair, right? Want to go on a long ride with him, so spending time. Attention, giving them attention when they're talking, right, Candice? Smile, hug, which is hug and touch. Smile. That's right. Perfect. So these are all ways that you could show somebody that you like them and they would get it. Do you notice that other than, um, other than compliments, right? All the others are not directly saying to them, hey, I really like you because of, right? The others are indirect, casual stuff. Yes, Saffron, I hear that so much um, that, you know, going through our medical training and our spouses sort of training with us, going to different residencies and fellowships and uh, whole family life being about the business of our training really does um, shift the, the, uh, the tone of the relationship. And it's really important to, to bring that back. Exactly. So Candace, yes, saying I like you or complimenting them, those are the only direct things. The others, you don't need to look into someone's eyes and say it all the time. You need to show them by touching them, hugging them, smiling, right? Being interested, giving attention to what they're saying, right? Sharing in their joys, even a high five, right? Acknowledging them, simply acknowledging them, right? Uh, telling them that they look hot or sexy, just simply spending time with them. Sometimes you can just sit in silence with somebody and it's wonderful. I love that, Saffron. I cannot love that more. 
Love it, love it, love it. Yes. Okay, so with that, here's what we're going to do right now. What is, we, we touched on so many different ways to show someone that you like them. And only 5%, less than 5% was actually saying it to them. So there are many, many ways to show someone that you like them, right? So tell me, which is one thing that you are willing to do tonight to show your spouse or your fiance or your mom, whoever, whichever relationship you're working on, what is one thing you can do to genuinely show them that you like them, right? There's definitely, even if you're in the middle of a conflict with your spouse, there's a part of that spouse that you like. Maybe it's the way they are with the kids. Maybe it's how hardworking they are. Maybe it's, you know, the sense of fashion. Maybe it is how organized they are. Maybe it's how easygoing they are. I love it. Kimmy says she's going to give a hug. Perfect. What else? Shaila, I love that. Shower him with kisses. Speak appreciation. Perfect. Long distance, Christina. Okay. Maybe a sexy text or maybe a, um, I don't know, send him his favorite cookies as a surprise. Tell him that just talking to him is a highlight of your day. Love it. Krishna, if you're in the middle of conflict, the best thing to do is to use touch rather than verbal stuff. Either touch or an act like cooking him something that he likes or um, asking him if he you know, wants a cup of tea or uh, just rubbing his shoulder as you pass by. Love it. Rub his back, touch him when he's next to me. Laura, beautiful. Alyssa, acknowledging his hard work. Brilliant. Aditi says, I just walked over and kissed him and thanked him for working on my math with my daughter so I can watch this and work on my presentation this Friday. Love it. Love it so much. Because you just, you did it. You just got up and did it. Candice, hold hands, right? What a simple thing that speaks volumes. Beautiful. If you are watching via replay, I want you to comment hashtag replay and then do it with us right now. Write down what is the one thing you're going to choose to show that even in the middle of conflict, there are parts about the other person that you do like. Sitting outside by the fire talking about the day. Perfect. Awesome. Beautiful. Okay, so now, oh, that's beautiful. Okay, so he washed all the dishes. Just give a quick hug and say thank you for washing the dishes. You don't have to go above board or, you know, pretend something that you don't feel. But it is true that even though you're in the middle of some conflict, it is also true that you're glad he washed the dishes. So you're just reflecting one part of you that is genuine. You're not making it up. There you go. Cool. All right. So who's ready to move on to number three? The last one is, whoops, I trust you. Okay. So I trust you is what we're moving on to. Okay. So in I trust you, right? Trust is, uh, you know, that there, there's, small t and big t, okay? Big t is things like uh, loyalty, um, uh, substance abuse, um, gambling, physical violence, right? Those are big T's and we're not talking about the big T's today. Why? For two reasons. One, it involves a lot more than I can give you in a little Facebook live training. And two, because these are much rarer in terms of how much of your life is made up of these things. How much of your relationship, even when any of these things happen, how much of your, uh, the time in your relationship is made up of these things is actually less 
And it's the small t's, okay, that take up a lot of space in our lives, right? So for both of those reasons, we are going to talk about the small t's, okay? So with the small t's, when you trust a friend, right, what you trust in them is their intentions, right? Even when they mess up, we are prone to say to our friends, well, you know what? You did your best, like, let it go. It's fine. Another thing that we do is we take their side against the world. If your friend is complaining about his or her boss, even if you think that maybe, you know, the boss isn't that bad, in the moment, we all know to say, yeah, I totally get, they're lucky to have you. What the heck, man, that was so unfair. We know how to take their side against the world, right? And another part of intent, um, trust is not, oh, actually I should, I can say this better by saying trusting their competence. Competence does not mean that someone is an expert in something. Competence means that they will, they have the capacity to figure something out. When you trust someone, you don't trust that, you know, whatever happens, they will know all the answers. They're like the encyclopedia. No, you trust their capacity, their competence to figure it out, even if they stumble or fall or make a mess. Trust is about the feeling of trust between two people. Trust is, a, trust is one of those things that's dyadic, right? Another person can be trustworthy and yet I may not trust them. So it's a dyadic thing. It requires some risk-taking, small amounts of risk-taking and the other person, you know, um, sort of meeting that and not violating those small little steps out of the risk zone. So it requires a dyadic process. Trust cannot be healed by one person. Trust can be broken by one person. Trust cannot be rebuilt by one person. So one person can break trust, but when it's men, if they want to mend it, both people have to participate in that. Okay. So, um, what I will end with is, I wanna ask you with your intentions, with your allowing them to figure it out even if they fall, what's the worst thing that ha can happen? So they send the kids with mismatched socks or haven't brushed the kids' teeth or they said they'd get dinner and it's pizza, so what? Part of trusting that somebody else has the capacity to figure it out is not jumping in to do it for them. This is so important that I'm going to say it again. Part of trusting that another person has the competence and capacity to figure it out means that you don't jump in because you are convinced that it has to be sort of done a certain way. And the minute they fall, you jump in and try to fix it for them. That is condescending. Do you do everything perfectly? No. Do I do everything perfectly? Not by a long shot. <laughs> okay. Not by a long shot. And still, I want to be seen as competent from my spouse. And so does my spouse. Every single human being does. The more you actually notice and see and allow the person to mess up and be compassionate, but not solve it for them, the more you're treating them with the respect that another adult deserves. So think about your intentions. Think about uh, whether you give them the, the confidence that whatever they figure out is the solution and they will learn with time or they won't. They're fine. They can do it. Start with the small things. Amy, first of all, you have to figure out if you want to start, if you want to rebuild that. So don't uh, just jump into pretending to be rebuilding it because I've done that in the past. And then I realized that I wasn't sure I wanted to rebuild it. So until you are sure you want to rebuild it, 
that's where you have to start. Harm to the children is a, is a large gray area pile, right? So for example, if your spouse insists that, uh, you know, if they don't do what they said they would do, they're going to get time out. You may not agree with that, but that's okay, right? It's not your way of doing it. That doesn't necessarily mean, now it's a different thing if he is calling them names or, you know, hitting them or, you know, constantly uh, telling them that they are, you know, not good at this, not good at that, good, good for nothing. If that's the case, that's a different story, right? But if it is difference of opinion, for example, let's say you let go and say, you know what, I'm just going to trust that you'll figure out something for dinner. Which nights would you like to take? I don't care what you do, how you do it. I just, I'm going to let go of that. He might end up doing pizza every one of those nights for the next six months. So what? It is not what you would do. It might not be the perfect food for your children. But that flexibility between you and him is actually more important for the children. So emotional harm, right? If, again, if it is that he is more of a disciplinarian than you, that's not necessarily good or bad. But if he's being emotionally harsh, right, then that requires what we call a rock the boat conversation, which we teach inside HYR. Um, it's an, it's an in-depth conversation where instead of going in circles, we actually get to the other side and come to a solution that both people feel good about. Okay. So if it is super harsh language, then it requires a different thing. If it is not, then allow him to do parenting his way. So if he doesn't trust you enough to share how he handles his finances, Param, um, the first step is to think for yourself about what is one little way you can show him, not by forcing him to share everything because he's not going to, and then you're just going to be fighting, is to start with one small thing, okay? People who finish high school figure out how to fix a car. You can go on YouTube. You can figure out what's happening. It might take you twice the time than it would take him because he's done it so long that it just comes easy to him. That doesn't mean you're not capable of doing it. That also doesn't mean that you have to do it, right? It's okay to, to decide that some, you know, one person will do these things because it's easy for them. The other person will do these things. But it doesn't mean that you can't do it. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you cannot learn these things. Okay, so I want you to put down here before we finish, right? Put down here, what is one small, tiny little area? Yes, exactly. That's right. You can ask somebody else to guide you. You can ask a neighbor. You can look on YouTube. You can take an Uber. You, you will figure it out, my friend. Same goes for him in areas in which you are, you know, the go-to person. You think he can figure it out? He absolutely can. So the reason he doesn't is because you swoop in and do it. And the reason you don't with the car is because he swoops in and does it. So think about what is one tiny, 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 tiny area that you can with intention, allow the other person to have a sense of competence and don't sweep in and try to fix it, right? What is one tiny area, like for pile, right? You were saying uh, with children, what is one tiny, tiny thing that you could um, say to him that would actually open up that trust a little bit? For example, you might say, hey, I worry, not obviously in front of the kids, and don't say it when you're in the middle of that argument either, right? Both of you are not going to be able to talk calmly. When you guys are relaxing and out on a date or something, right, then uh, I would bring up something like, hey, um, I really worry when either of us lose our temper and sort of 
speak harshly to the kids. And I wanted to ask, what would make it easier for you? What can I do to make it easier for you, right? So having that conversation itself builds a little space of trust. Don't try to get to a solution. It's the conversation that's more important. Christina, perfect. Ask him when, when uh, before you're about to give input, ask him, hey, I have some thoughts. Do you want to hear it or you're not in the mood for it? Either one is okay. Exactly. Exactly, Shaila. So what if you fail and you bumble and you don't know how to do it? That's the growth edge. They will figure it out. And so will you. What can I do to make it easier for you? That's right. So tell me what is one tiny, 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 tiny area that you could begin to build? Not fully, right? If parenting is uh, a touchy subject or sex is a touchy subject or, um, you know, how much time you're spending together versus not is a touchy subject, right? Don't launch into the whole thing trying to fix it all at once. Take a tiny part of it that is limited by time and location. Pamela, I sense some resentment there. If that's the case, don't offer. Don't offer to make it easier for him. If you're offering with the sense that he should offer back, then you're going to get filled with resentment. So don't offer, right? Only offer when it feels joyful to you. If you don't feel like it, don't offer. Allow him to take 10 extra days to do it or bumble through it or make a mistake or, you know, make a mess or whatever it is he needs to do. Let's say you guys decide that he does his own laundry. We've talked about this before. You do not jump in and fix it, even if he has to run to Target to get some underwear. Even if he wears the same underwear for four days. He's an adult. He will eventually figure it out. He will find a system that works for him. You will not jump in and fix it. So you want to start with something really tiny instead of this global, he never tries and he never does anything. Take one tiny thing and cause a shift in the dance there. So everyone, I want to hear down below before we finish, what is the one tiny, tiny area that you are going to shift by allow, perfect, Yamini, stop doing his laundry. That's right. Okay, what is the one tiny, tiny area where you can start having a different conversation that allows a person to feel like they can make mistakes, they can fall, they can stumble, and you still trust that they will figure it out in time. Awesome. So Param, think about what that 1% shift is. Love it. Kimmy, ask him to cook dinner a few times a week. Get specific, Kimmy, and I would just pick two days um, and ask him which two days would work for him. And then let him figure it out. Tell him it doesn't matter what you do. I don't care if you reheat frozen food or get pizza or cook a three-course dinner. It's up to you. Dinner, perfect. Pamela, perfect. Love it. Take a side against the world, Laura. Love it so much. Amy, it's not for him to disagree. You pick one day, one night, and tell him, hey, I am getting so exhausted cooking and cooking and cooking every night. Could you take one night? I'm not going to cook on Wednesday nights. Perfect. Aditi says, I'm allowing him to be more involved with the kids, right? How is someone supposed to become a better uh, partner or parent if they are always only relating to their role in parenting as a, you're not doing it right. So you just tell him Wednesday night, can you take on dinner? I'm not gonna cook on Wednesday night. I am going to go for a long drive and get a massage and come home late. Because if I take care of myself just that one day, it helps me be present and not angry the rest of the days. So you are just informing him, lovingly, gently informing him, okay? No worries, Jennifer. Assume positive intent. I like that. 
even if you assume neutral intent, that's a good enough place to start. Love it, Jennifer, bed and bath time routine. On his night, the best way to not interfere is actually tell him, I'm trying to learn not to interfere and trust that you're gonna be okay. So to help myself, I'm gonna put on earphones and watch a show. Shaila, with the girlfriend issue, come to office hours, my friend, or come to the Q&A call. Let's talk through it. You're an HYR. We can solve that. Okay. Shauna says, more attentive, curious about his interests. What is a tiny, tiny way that you could begin that? Let him take the lead on house hunting, which is really stressing me out. Perfect. Christina, tell him, it's okay if you take double the time. It's, I'm just going to let you handle it. I love it. Krishna, ask him to plan a surprise for my daughter's birthday. Now, yes. Carly, what's up, my friend? I love it. I'm going to work on agreeing with little things my partner is complaining about. Yeah, that's right. And going out of your way to actually say thank you or notice the things that she does do, right? Candace says, let him choose the organizational bins for the garage without me. Whoa, Candace. That's a big step, are you sure? <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, my friends. So that is a basis of friendship, okay? That's a little couple of bricks that we've started laying for this foundation that we need to build that is called friendship. And the couple of bricks we talked about today is I like you, I know you, I trust you. We talked about one thing you're going to choose for the I like you. One thing you're going to ask that is open-ended, that is not a leading question, that is short and an easy thing to answer with for the I know you and for the I trust you. Pile. Um, so it depends on, that's a great question. It depends on if you are carrying resentment. If you are not carrying resentment, there's no need to offload, right? If you genuinely feel like, gosh, I'm doing everything, right? If that is where you're coming from, I would actually say that to him. Instead of talking about, why won't you do this? You don't do that. Why don't you do this? I would actually talk about the process, okay? Like, um, you know, honey, I think I, uh, you know, I really love it when you stepped in the other day and did X, Y, and Z, right? Maybe he washed some dishes, right? And you say, I really loved it when you stepped in last week and washed the dishes. It was only, it was a small gesture, but it meant the world to me because I felt like we were a team and I'm needing more of that. When we don't get that, I feel resentful and kind of distant, okay? So preface it with why you're asking that. You're not asking that because him doing those, you know, five, 10 dishes is going to alter the course of your life. Of course not. Tell him it's because you want to feel closer to him. It's because when he did it, you felt really close to him and really supported and felt like a team. And when that doesn't happen, you notice yourself pulling back and you don't want that. Nor does he. So when you talk about a common positive reason or intention uh, for why you even want this, then he can hear it better. Make sense? Hopefully that was helpful. I love you guys so, so, so much. This was so fun. I could talk to you for hours more, but um, I will let you guys go. It's been an hour and a half and we will meet. We will meet. You're so welcome, Payo. Uh, we will meet again next Tuesday. And we have an awesome topic for you next Tuesday. So set aside time in your calendar, 8 p.m. Eastern, every single Tuesday. Next Tuesday is going to blow your mind. I can't wait to see you. If any of you are interested in HYR, which is, I can't even tell you how much I love what we do inside HYR, um, comment HYR below and one of my team will reach out to you. And uh, with that, mwah! I love you guys so much. Bye-bye. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to me if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds 
to do one or all of these three things. First, can you follow or subscribe to Emotional Mastery? Following the podcast helps you because you'll never miss an episode and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. So to do this, just go to the Emotional Mastery show page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tap on the plus sign on the top right corner or click on the button that says follow. This is the most important thing for the podcast to reach more people. And while you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and a review and share an episode you love with a friend, I'd be so grateful. We appreciate you very, very much. Thank you.